I think that the deepest truth of the world is love. Mm. And I think at the end of the day, the universe means one song. And if we're all singing a song that we can dance to, uh, that's the purpose of life. It's not to fight. It's not to kill. It's fine to protect. Uh, it's fine to be a creator. Um, it's fine to have um, hustle. Um, but we don't need the warrior way. We need the war, the way of the, the love. We need the heart way. And, and I think that's what I'm hoping to bring more to the world. Welcome to the Stay Grounded Podcast. I'm your host, Raj Jana, founder of Liberate, and it's my mission to help you become the most grounded, loving, and authentic version of yourself that you can be. Each week, I interview experts in the fields of mindset, spirituality, and emotional well-being. My brilliant guests share their tools, stories, and unique perspectives to help you develop the skills you need to show up fully for the people and things that matter most in your life. Now let's dive in. Yo, yo, what's up, everyone? And welcome to this week's very special episode of Stay Grounded with my new friend, Mr. Ryan Alice. So Ryan is a, a serial entrepreneur who achieved success at a very young age. And, you know, over the last 13 years, Ryan has had multiple evolutions as an entrepreneur, as a creator, as a spiritual being, as a family man, as a father. And in this podcast, we really speak to those transition points of like when we're stepping away from one project or one identity or one responsibility, how do we step into the next? And one of the things I've admired so much about Ryan and his journey is that he's artfully found a way to tie his creative life with the life that is just presently in front of him. So if he's becoming a father, he leaned into writing um, Magic Year, which is this sort of book that was written for his one-year-old child um, that then turned into a book that can be shared with other people. As a result of him learning to become a better man, a better father, he then launched brotherhoodmen.com, which is a men's experience and circle for, uh, for, for men to step into their greatness and fullness. And so I, I tend to, what I love most about this is that, you know, by, by, by really just paying attention to your life, you can actually find the next seed of creativity. And by surrendering to the flow, instead of trying to make things happen or force things happen, by just listening and being present in, this, in those times of spaciousness, in the times of the chrysalis, I think there's so much gold. And that's what you know, this podcast was so inspiring for me around, just around, you know, how do, we, how do we navigate those transition points with so much grace? How do we sit inside of the unknown? How do we shift our relationship to surrendering and creating and flowing with what is. And I think this podcast was just really timely reminder for myself. And I hope it's just as timely for you. So enjoy it. If you haven't already subscribed to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or any of the podcast apps or watch the show on YouTube, all that means is that every single time we release a new episode or put out a new video, it just drops straight into your awareness. And um, yeah, let me know how this episode lands. I love you so much. I'm so grateful that you're along for this ride. And without further ado, here is the amazing Mr. Ryan Alice. Enjoy. Yo, yo, what's up, everyone, and welcome to this week's very special episode. Stay grounded. Mr. Alice, welcome to the show. It's so good to be here today. Dude, I, um, I'm, I'm really grateful that we're getting this chance to drop in in this way. Um, you know, 
for everyone listening, like Ryan and I ran into each other in Nosara literally in my last few days of leaving and we didn't get a chance to drop in. And then somehow, some way, magical synchronicities brought us here to this moment. And it seems like it's a super pivotal time for you as well, which I feel like is uh, is really beautiful. So I'd, I'd actually love to to start there if you're open to it like this kind of like you mentioned this art of transitions yeah and how you feel like there's been like these like like something new has emerged in you almost every decade how do you know that something new is emerging in you like what does that feel like in your body Uh, you start to feel uh itchy you start to feel like you're getting messages from god that shifts are coming. I'm 39, about to turn 40 next year. And so there's some shifts coming and every man really wants to get his stuff together by 40. And so I'm excited about what's coming next. Yeah, totally, man. And I mean, you've like, did you feel like these shifts and these transitions? Because you said you had three specific transitions, right? You went from tech entrepreneur to like purpose-driven kind of leader coach. And then now you're stepping into this next phase. Like, did the itch and the transition feel similar at each point, like each of those transition points as well? I believe we alternate between phases of execution and exploration. Mm. And I tend to go into phases of five to 10 year execution where I put my head down and build something meaningful. And then I tend to go on these one to three year exploration journeys that have taken me to Burning Man and Vipassana and Ayahuasca and put me deep down the rabbit hole of personal growth and awakening. And when those wrap up, I tend to get a great idea that possesses me and I become obsessed about it. And that's the moment I know that something new is coming. The obsession. Yeah. And what what does that obsession like kind of translate as? Is it like a whisper? Is it Cause you're, you're, when I feel like when you're in that alchemical container of like transformation and thinking about things, like, like there's just so many, so many pathways you can go. Like, how do you navigate your path when you're in that state of exploration? Like, what is the compass for you? You keep exploring until you have no choice, but to stop exploring widely and instead explore deeply. Mm. Uh, and so you know, you can think of it like a synapse in a in a brain cell. It, it goes out looking for connection, tries to find the other neurons to connect to, and it goes wide, and then it finds one, and then it connects, and then it goes deep. And so I like to explore wide for some time, travel, go to different countries, uh, lose my sense of ego attachment to my identity, uh, forget who I am for a little while. And then I like to find what brings me alive. I like to follow my bliss, as Joseph Campbell would say. I follow my uh, Chiksent, Michele, uh flow. And when I find flow, which is the ability to work with time melting away, or I don't realize whether it's night or day, Sunday or Tuesday, then I just follow that. And as Zach Polgrub says, I become obsessed with it. Uh, and I don't let anything get in my way to, to making whatever that obsession is something that can make a positive impact in the world. Dude, that's so sick. I just love how you went from like, I was like, perfect, actually, like the depth to the flow to then the obsession. Like, it's like, 
there's a thread that you're following intuitively that allows you to actually end up at this endpoint, which I think is like super, honestly, like it's really inspiring to to kind of follow that cycle. So I'm 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 just wanting to reflect that too because I I think that's a really cool way to like enter into the exploration process. Like when you enter into those exploration phases, do you feel like your 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 intention is to end up back at this state where you have something to be obsessed with, or is there a different intention you're entering into the exploration phase with? I I always have something I'm obsessed with. It's just that at certain times I'm obsessed with exploring a lot of different things. And that's the thing that has taken my spirit. Yeah. You know, I've, I've sat with 25 different types of plant medicines, for example, most people don't know there are 25 different types of plant medicines. You know, I've, I've been to 45 countries. And so sometimes I'm just obsessed about exploring. But there's that eureka moment that happens to entrepreneurs and many people can relate to having these moments of inspiration where you can't not do it. And if you try to resist, the universe starts talking to you first softly and then over time more loudly. And you have no choice but to surrender to whatever your dharma is for that period of your life. If you don't, your soul dies. And so I like to avoid soul death. And so I like to follow the inspirations that come from my higher self. The, the nuance and the difficulty is, is knowing which of these inspirations come from your higher self and which come from your ego and, and being able to delineate between those two and to follow the ones that are authentic and uh, are actually Dharma inspired. That, that's the challenge. Is there a story or an example from your life that you can share that allowed you to really like refine that compass to, to be more attuned to the Dharma inspired path? Yeah. The, the Dharmic path doesn't go away. Um, it's not driven by dopamine highs. It's not driven by addiction cycles. It's not driven by desire for fame or money. Uh, it's driven by desire for service. Uh, we're all part of a human project. All, all Homo sapiens, 8.1 billion of us are part of this human project to create a more beautiful world that works for everybody, right? And, you know, we, you don't get a sense of this if you read the news, but if you zoom out, the reality is, is we're all working toward creating a better world in one way or another. We're creating a, a meta society on Earth and eventually on other planets too. And so the, the key thing is, is that if we can learn how to get slow enough and still enough every few years, either through Vipassana, meditation, you know, whatever your practice is, yoga, uh, going on walks, ultra marathons, whatever it is for you that allows you to hear your own spirit, then we can, instead of entering in a rat race, getting in a consumption cycle, selling our soul to the devil and dying inside, we can actually do what we're here to do do what is our gift to, to give. And that's what I've learned how to do is to listen mm. and to do it. And what's different is if it's dharmic, if it's my soul's purpose, which I believe we have many over a lifetime, but if it's my soul's purpose for the next few years, it'll stay consistent and it won't matter necessarily how it's going to generate money in the short term. 
what will matter is does it help others and is there a way to eventually get to a sustainable business model so that i can align what i love what i do and if you can make a hundred percent of your money doing what you do then you have doing loving what you do if you can make a hundred percent of your money loving what you do then you have freedom and so that that's what i help guide men to figure out super cool dude um one thing that inspires me a lot about like our conversation before we hit the record button was how you wrote the magic year for your son to read for your, uh, was it your son Apollo, right? Um, yes. Yeah. To, to read at the age of 15. And I'm, I'm curious, like what inspired that, like that, that feels like such a, uh, almost like a, a purpose that emerged pretty quickly. Like, I don't know how old your son is, but like, it feels like it, it may have like you either, maybe you had your son and then that came through or like, like what inspired that to flow through and why, cause that's a really pure reason to write a book Yeah, that can also help other people. But it was, you know, like it's like a, so it's a super inspired way to create. Well, I'll tell you what, my mom when I turned 16 on August 14th, 2000, she gave me three books. My mom was a Buddhist, nudist social worker from England, and, and she married an Episcopalian minister from America and had me. And she gave me three books on my 16th birthday, one about goals, one about business, and one about global economics. And those three books changed my life. Uh, the first one was Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, the classic. The second one was Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And the third one was Lexus and the Olive Tree by Tom Friedman. And the first one taught me to write down my goals. The second one taught me to build assets that create positive cash flow. And the third one gave me a, a worldview that was relatively optimistic. And those three books changed my life and made me mm. into the person I am today. And so I wanted to write a book that I could give my son, whether I give it to him when he's, when he's 14 or 15 or 16, we'll see when he's ready. But I wanted to write a book that I could give my son that said, you know, here's everything I've learned so far, distilled wisdom for you. And whether uh, God helping I'm alive then or not, um, he'll always have that life manual to refer to. Oh, dude, you're, that's so cool. I, I I love that. And I love the impermanence that you just spoke to, like like just whether I'm there or not. Right? Like I, I'd love to know, like, you know, just through your your path and as you've sort of explored, you know, the concept of meaning and purpose and living a fulfilling life, like what role has death? And the idea of death played for you as a focusing agent for the projects you say yes to, or the commitments you commit to, or the things that you choose to spend your time with. Death is a great gift. It, it, it hones you, focuses you, gives you no choice, but to live life. Now, my mom died of cancer when I was 27. My dad died of cancer when I was 30. And so there I was at 30 without a mom or a dad, uh, quite lonely, and looking for meaning and purpose and connection. And that was about a decade ago. And so uh, I know I'll die. I might die tomorrow in a car accident. I might die 100 years from now. Whenever it is, it will happen. 
Um, and I also have an unwavering personal belief and personal understanding of the nature of the soul being permanent. Uh, everything's impermanent, um, except, <laughs> I believe, energy. And energy can neither be created nor destroyed. It can only change form. And so I have a personal sense, no one really knows, but I have a personal sense uh, that I've been here before and I'll be here again, whether that place is earth or, you know, conscious, the conscious metaverse we live in. Um, and so because I have such a deep faith in the reincarnation of the soul and the everlasting sense of the, of the spirit, um, I'm not afraid of death. And I think a lot of the longevity obsession out there is actually fear of death. And I think the longevity movement's wonderful, but um, I'm, you know, whether I die at 39 or 109 or 199, if Peter Diamandis has his way, then uh, it's all good. I just want to be happy, be healthy and do what I love. Are there, are there and, I, and I can like really sense and feel how a perspective or a principle like that can actually lead to like, you know, when I think about like staying grounded as a, as an idea, like there's all these tools and tips and, you know, like things that we can do to stay grounded, whether it's like the meditation, the breath works. And then there are principles that we can embody to just be more grounded. And I feel like what you just shared is one of them. Do you have other principles that sort of you carry with you in your life that allow you to just like navigate life with more of an aligned uh, sense with like who you are and what's truly uh, what's truly yours. Yeah, I've got a lot of principles. A lot of them are are in the Magic Year book. Some of the ones that come to mind are that I like to say. This is a phrase from my wife. She likes to say, "Seriosity is poo," and what that means is don't take yourself serious seriously. Um, seriosity is poo. And if you find yourself too uptight, um, or if she finds me too uptight, she'll often just ask me to put my fingers up in a peace sign. And then she'll put her other fingers between them and squirrel them around. And then she'll say, seriosity is poo. And, um, you know, it's the, it's the great gift of the goddess to awaken the joy in the man. Mm. And she's done that in me. And so I used to be so serious. I was on this mission to single-handedly create a better world. And, you know, now I, I play all day long, even when I'm working, I'm playing. And so that's, I think, the number one principle in life uh, is to realize that it's all a cosmic joke and we're here. <laughs> we have incredible meaning as beings uh, you know our souls chose to incarnate in this human form for a reason and it's a giant cosmic joke exactly. like being able to dance between both i think is enlightenment and i think that's what's so refreshing about i'm 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 just really appreciating like the way that the the the, the levity with mission because I think that's yeah. something that doesn't get talked about enough. Like there's this idea of being a warrior and like being a, a person with this, like, let's go kind of mindset. And I, and I do believe that you can, you can have so much play. In fact, when I think about like the frequency of play, it's like the highest frequency possible. Yeah. Like when you feel like you're having fun and you're playing, like you're just constantly alive. 
And in that aliveness, you lose track of time. And if you optimize your life for that, your work for that, my gosh, think about like the amount of energy you're pouring in. And so it is like, it, it feels almost backwards to think of it like, oh, I'm doing this thing from the space of war versus like this, this levity of play. That's right. I, I think that the deepest truth of the world is love. Mm. And I think at the end of the day, the universe means one song. And if we're all singing a song that we can dance to, uh, that's the purpose of life. It's not to fight. It's not to kill. It's fine to protect. Uh, it's fine to be a creator. Um, it's fine to have um, hustle. And, but we don't need the warrior way. We need the war, the way of the, the love. We need the heart way. And, and I think that's what I'm hoping to bring more to the world. How do you navigate, like, you know, when you look at, you know, there is, you know, I'm, and I align with you. And this is why I'm, it's actually, I'm asking a question more for myself. Like, you see, like, the levity and the play and the joy and the inspiration and like that being one frequency. But then, like, when you see, you know, the world and it has so much pain and it has so many people who are suffering and there's so much of that also happening, like, how do you balance sort of like, that fighter spirit which serves a purpose with the opposite which is like that levity and play um in your in your own work and in your own mission yeah i i think as a man you should always be prepared and ready to fight for your loved ones and for what matters but only if there's an actual immediate urgent threat yeah and i think what has happened is um, we've taken our homo sapien primate programming from the savannas of Africa, where if we were chased by a lion, you know, we would run or fight. And that was appropriate in that case to protect our children and, and our beloveds. But we now live in a world where sadly we're in fight or flight all the time. And I think the real opportunity is to dance in the deserts of Burning Man or to dance in the, the beaches of Envision um, to enjoy the magic of living while we're here, as opposed to viewing life through the lens of continuous struggle. And yes, there's a lot of suffering, of course. Uh, a lot of that's unnecessary, uh, and, and that's why... Programs like this one can can be helpful to people and have a new philosophy of living that's based on joy and play and magic and connection and presence. And I also personally believe that suffering is valuable mm. and suffering is a worthwhile experience. And why? Because it it helps us accomplish the reason why we're here. The reason why we're here is to learn. You know, the whole point of the universe is the evolution of consciousness. And the only way that consciousness evolves is through learning, learning of the soul. And the way that the soul learns is sometimes through suffering. And so Buddha, Buddha would not have had his breakthrough had he not had some serious suffering going on in his head. Most enlightened uh, leaders of the past would not have had their spiritual awakenings had they not had major moments of personal struggle and suffering 
Uh, we've all been through those dark nights and sometimes dark years and sometimes dark decades of the soul. And now there's an opportunity to realize that you don't have to take life so seriously. You can, uh, you can, you can just play and just be and enjoy every day and realize that life doesn't have to be so serious. And if we can all do that, um, then we can create a better world, a world of magic instead of war. How do you, um, like when you have emotion show up, whether it's grief or sadness or anger, do you do you have like a philosophy or a practice or a principle that allows you to like alchemize that into something more positive or like how do you kind of sit with those experiences within yourself um because they're all like I, and I actually really appreciate just that frame that like I, I realized for myself like I used to think I, I I wanted happy relationships and now I just realized I want conscious relationships like I want to be in relationships where I'm learning. Like if I look at every single human being I come into contact with as an opportunity to learn, then every trigger that I experience within myself, whether it's anger, frustration, sadness, they're all opportunities to continue evolving. So I'd love to know, uh, you know, in your own journey, like what has your relationship with feeling been like and feeling particularly the things that you like we may not put on a pedestal is like the the happy the light the levity and and have you used those opportunities to learn and grow i spent 10 years working 12 hour days six days a week to build eye contact it's software company when i was 27 i sold that company for nine figures we had a great exit and it felt good for a moment and maybe my resume looked good and my bank account was good but on the inside, there was something missing and there was a lack of health, mental health, physical health, spiritual health. And the same month we sold my company in 2012, my mom passed away of brain cancer. And so there I was with two big events happening within days of each other of having every opportunity financially to go do whatever I wanted for the rest of my life, but then losing the person who brought me into this world at, at the age of 60. Um, and so that struggle caused me to realize that life is short, get your stuff together. Um, and so I decided that I'd go on a path, a journey, it took me 10 years to, to get it all together, to get truly optimally healthy inside and out physically mm -hmm. healthy, mentally healthy, spiritually healthy. And along that journey, it, it wasn't always easy. I, I was um, at 1.60 pounds heavier than I am now, 65 pounds heavier than I am now. I was 32% body fat at one point, technically obese. Uh, I was having chronic neck pain. I was having panic attacks every few months. Um, girlfriends left me for not being present, relationships were in shambles. And so we all go through these common struggles. Um, what I did though, was I decided that I was going to make a change. The pain was great enough where I had no choice but to make a change. And so that's why I went on a journey the last 10 months, excuse me, the last 10 years to actually figure out how to become truly optimally healthy and 
Um, I, I think I'm like at the 97th percentile level today. I've still got a few more pieces to go, but I'm pretty close and I'm really happy about that. Yeah, you look great, dude. Um, congratulations on the health journey. That's really exciting to like, I just love celebrating health journeys because those are, I think the ones that take the most energy and effort to like really course correct. I'd love to know, you know, I, and for anybody listening, I think this would be helpful. Like I, mental health and physical health are well-defined. And I think like we can all understand what that is, but like when you say spiritual health, what are you actually referring to? Are you doing what you love every day? That's it. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is your soul alive or dead? That's it. Um, look, souls are like bears. They can hibernate. <laughs> They can go away, but they're still there. You know, a hibernating bear is still a bear. Still a bear. A hibernating soul is still a soul. But sometimes you need to bring your soul out of hibernation, go to the jungle, do a little vision quest, and wake the F up and realize that the only way to get your soul back, to get your joy back, to get your passion back, is to do what you effing love and mm -hmm. start doing it now. And if you can't figure out how to make money doing what you love and right away, then do what you love half the time, but at least you're doing it. And then you'll figure it out eventually how to create enough value for others and contribute to the human project enough so that you can fund your lifestyle doing what you love. That's the key to spiritual health. And sometimes doing what you love doesn't even have to be like what you're doing. It could be actual just intimacy and love. Like I remember my, my last partnership, like I was doing work that I did not really feel super in alignment with. I was in business partnerships that weren't nourishing me, but I found myself spending every moment I could with her hmm. because she was lighting me up. And then that then instead led to the question, okay, like why am I not feeling that way about my work? Like, what's that about? And it opened up the inquiry to then begin like showing up fully in that department. And that led, so like, I, I, maybe I have a actually a question around just like, the role fear plays and you know like we have these soul pings that's like okay like i want to do more with my life i, I want to follow this joy of bliss and i'm like there's all these realities there's all these things that i have in front of me and i'm afraid to make changes like what would you speak to somebody who's like kind of on that precipice of like i'm afraid of i'm just afraid of what i don't know and i'm afraid of what's possible I would encourage them to get in a 40 degree cold plunge. Seriously. And it's hard. I, I do it every day. Uh, I do it every morning for five minutes. I get in a 40 degree cold plunge. It's hard. It's scary every effing time because it hurts. Um, but it resets your dopamine receptors and it, a cold plunge for four minutes, Raj, has the same dopamine releasing effect as cocaine. Mm. But the difference is that cocaine lasts 19 minutes and a cold plunge lasts all day. And so one of those is a bad habit. One of those is a good habit. And so if you're feeling fear, it's natural, it's normal. It's false evidence appearing real. It's what fear stands for. So the key is to get over it. Um, and to just do the thing that you're meant to do, 
Now, I'll share something slightly vulnerable. I, I have two irrational fears. Maybe it's irrational, maybe it's not. I haven't been able to get over yet. One is crocodiles. There's a lot of crocodiles in the Boca of Nosara, and I will not walk down by the river because I grew up in Florida, and when I was 10, a crocodile escaped, and my mom made me really afraid of crocodiles, and I cannot get over that. I think I need to do a past life regression <laughs> with combo or something to get over it. So if you know any healers, let me know. I need a crocodile healer. I might know a guy. <laughs> Yeah, it's probably a crocodile healer, past life regression combo person in Yotara. So I need, and the other thing I'm I'm so strangely afraid of is I'm afraid of the early death of my son. He's he's 15 months old. He's a toddler, and um, I think once or twice a day, I I irrationally get scared of him falling in the pool or getting hurt or something. And um, I think that's natural. I think that's natural. So those are the two things I'm irrationally afraid of early loss of my child and uh, crocodiles, but everything else in life, I think I feel like I've overcome. Two things I just want to reflect back. I, I, I'm, I'm really resonating with the cold because it's like the cold is almost like you against you because your body can handle a lot. It's the mind that gets in the way. And so just sitting in cold or taking a cold shower or allowing the cold to like, like challenge you is such a quick way to actually get out of that fear. It's like you're showing yourself what you're made of, which is fantastic. And, and I'm also really reflecting like the, the, the irrational fear of losing your son allows you to be a super present father. So it's actually like serving such a purpose in some ways. And I think there's a lot of wisdom in, and even looking at fear through that lens, like sometimes fear does play a purpose. And maybe that purpose is to show you how strong you are. Maybe that purpose is to inspire you to make changes in your life or inspire you to show up a certain way. But I think fear, just like love, is a part of this grand design, just like suffering. I think we're all here to experience these these states for a reason. And to, to learn from them and to have them as wisdom teachers, as opposed to things we're trying to get rid of or, 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 or shift is, um, I think a pathway to creating more spiritual health, creating more of that alignment and well being. So I'm, um, yeah, I just want to reflect that. I don't know why that felt important to share, but thank you. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's talk about, I want to actually dive a little bit more into Magic Year, man, um, because Magic Year is a program, a book. It's a lot of things, right? Like, and like, it sounds like that was also on the precipice of your kind of next creative outbreak. Yeah. So, like, how can you talk about like the journey of bringing Magic Year to life, and then yeah. through that process, it looks like something else was emerging. And so, I'd love to hear about that journey for you. It was June 14th, 2022. I was living in Austin, Texas, and my son was born that day at four in the morning in the hospital. And, and there's something that happens to a new dad in the first week after taking his first child home from the hospital. It's that he has a realization that he's got to get his act together because it's no longer about him. And the excuses that you allow yourself to have before you're a parent uh, tend to melt away when you realize that there's a conscious being 
that in three years is going to start having memories and you've got a choice as to whether your child looks up to you or not, wants to hang out with you or not, sees you as a role model or not. And so that first week of June 2022, when Apollo, Apollo Alice, he's named, came home, uh, I was, I'd gained 40 pounds during the pregnancy. There's some, there's a hormone called prolactin that happens in men whose wives are pregnant. And it's a natural hormone that expresses when your wife is pregnant because it's designed evolutionarily to cause the dad to gain weight during the pregnancy in case uh, food is scarce after the baby is born. And so many men, they don't, you don't talk about this, but many men, in addition to their wives gaining 30 pounds during the pregnancy, they gained 30 pounds during the pregnancy. I, however, had gained 45 because I made my wife what she asked for every night, which was a roast beef wrap with mayonnaise. And I made one for me too, every night at midnight, <laughs> totally messing up all the autophagy, totally messing up all the intermittent fasting. And that single practice of having a roast beef wrap with mayonnaise at midnight, five or six times a week for a year, bam, gained 35, 40 pounds just on that. And so I decided I was going to change things when he was born. I was going to take a year and I was going to get my life together in 12 months. And I was going to write about the process and the journey. I went from 195 pounds to 145 pounds. Uh, I, I talked to my doctor. He said, go take something called terzepatide, which is like semaglutide. It's a, it's like a, basically a medicine that suppresses your appetite. It's incredibly effective and FDA approved and prescription started on that, started working out every single day, started lifting weights, started doing pull-ups, started doing daily cold plunges. And before I ever touch a laptop, I will have had a green tea, done a cold plunge, done 20 pull-ups, done 30 weight bench uh, lifts before I'll ever touch a laptop. And that single practice of um, losing 45 pounds, 50 pounds, and integrating a morning routine, a magic morning routine changed my life. And so I wrote about everything I did in the book, Magic Year. And Magic Year is a, a 12 month book. It's designed to transform every aspect of your life in one magic year, one 12 month period, starting with purpose, starting with goals, starting with habits, and then moving into every single area of life. Um, from relationships to love and sex and money and happiness and mindset and family and awakening and community and more. And I decided that I would spend the next year, that first year of his life, two to three hours a morning after the morning routine. I do my morning routine from eight to 10 and then from 10 to one every single day for a year. I wrote in the book. I wrote in Bali. I wrote in Austin. I wrote in Costa Rica all the places we were living and I finished it. It's 550 pages. It's, it's a tome. It's a big book. And now it's becoming a online course at magicyear.com. Is the, and, I, and I'd love if you're open to sharing just a little bit about, you know, the ritual that you were speaking to before we hit the record button around what you want to inspire men to begin doing. Like I'd love to, maybe even talk a little bit about like how this process maybe is connected to that work as well. 
Well, something happened in the last few weeks, Raj, and and this is the thing I've been looking for, which is clarity about what I want to do the next 10 years. I, I knew Magic Year was a, a one-year project, right? Um, and I also knew that I was in a moment of transition and exploration to figure out what was next. I spent 10 years building and selling a software company. I spent 10 years building Hive.org into a global community of 3,000 purpose-driven leaders. And now I'm looking to figure out what's the next 10 years about, what's my 40s about. And what I've come to really in the last two weeks, it's a very transitionary and beautiful time, is that I really want to focus on men. I really mm -hmm. want to focus on helping men create lives they love, better relationships, better health, better businesses, better bodies. And I, I've never been passionate about, particularly passionate about working with men until very recently. I've always, uh, I've been a coach for 10 years. Uh, I love helping transform leaders and people into purpose-driven uh, individuals. But, you know, the last few weeks, I've just really been working on creating the Magic Year Men's Program and I'm excited about it. I'm really excited about it. And we're in the process of over the next week, maybe even by the time the listeners hear this, of launching a, a site called um, brotherhoodmen.com. And it's going to be a, a weekly men's group, a weekly men's group for men to share what's really going on with our lives, what we're going through and have support from other men on the path. And so I'm excited about that. And um, that is an emergent uh, venture that is coming out of the work that I've done with Magic Gear. Hmm. Dude, I, uh, I'm super inspired by how you create and how you just kind of follow the thread of aliveness and inspiration to like channel really beautiful, impactful pieces of work in the world. So I'm, I'm grateful that, um, yeah, I'm just feeling, I'm, I'm actually just like really tuning into like, my own aliveness right now and like really checking in around like work and like things that I've going on in my life, like just what's most alive and just trusting that that's the direction I need to be going in. Cause it's clearly in your leading, you're showing a really beautiful example. I'm, I'm 32. So I just started like my early thirties. And so like, I feel like I just started that next decade project and it's, and it's like coming to life in full form and full force. And so I just, I appreciate the validation for the path, man. And um, I really appreciate uh, appreciate all the work you're doing. And for everybody listening, we'll make all those links available in the show notes um, so that you don't have to feverishly write anything down. Ryan, I've got one last question for you. Um, in the midst of everything you're doing, everywhere you've been and everywhere you're going, how do you stay grounded? And if you could even take that one step further, like what is one thing you do every day to just become a more grounded human being? I think the most important thing I do every day is it's actually two things. The two things I do every day that are most important for me to stay grounded are number one, I do my morning routine religiously. It's, it's essential. And the core components of my morning routine are, as I've shared, uh, I wake up with a green tea. I avoid coffee. I um, go to the gym. I lift I do pull-ups, I get in a cold plunge, and I'll sometimes do a sauna, and I'll often 
do a few minutes of breathing and meditation. That's, that's what I do. It takes me 60 minutes and it's a magic 60 minutes every morning. And then I shower and then I go sit down and I start creating. Mm. So that's the first thing. Um, and then the second thing is I have a litmus test for everything I do. And it's very simple. Does this light me up inside? And if it doesn't light me up inside, I don't commit to it. Uh, I don't do it. And so if you put in place a routine that brings you into your clarity of presence and clarity of purpose, and then choose to commit to the things that light you up and choose to decommit to the things that bring you down, you can live a more magical life. Mm. So simple, dude, but I know how much energy, time, and effort went into making it look that simple. So I just want to honor your path. And brother, it's been amazing getting to have this conversation with you. I look forward to jamming in person when we're in Nosara. And um, everybody, that's a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host, Raj. This is your new friend, Ryan. And from us, stay grounded. We'll chat soon. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Stay Grounded. No matter where you're from or what you're going through, I hope it helps you remember just how incredible you are and have always been. If you're on a path of emotional healing or self-discovery and would like to learn how Liberate can support your journey, head to www.rajana.com forward slash liberate. That is L-I-B-E-R-8 to learn more about our current group programs and one-on-one offerings. I love you guys and I'll see you next week.